1: Code Buttery. Exclusions apply. See site for details.
0: Welcome back to Not Another Mummy podcast with me, Alison Perry. We talk a lot about screen time and how much our kids should be getting, but what about the content of the programmes they're watching? Things that I've chatted to mum friends about over the years include, are my kids watching enough shows are educational? Is everything age appropriate? And should my five-year-old be watching Power Rangers with all that fighting? But something that is becoming increasingly apparent is that so many of the TV programmes aimed at kids have a poor representation of disability, LGBT families, the working class and people who are black, Asian and minority ethnic could kids' TV be making our children prejudiced? So, in this episode brought to you in association with Hopster, I chat to children's digital media expert Olivia Dickinson and Lindsay Gardner, mum of two and part of a same-sex family. We discuss why representation in children's TV matters and the effect that underrepresentation representation can have on our kids. Before we start, a word on this episode's sponsor – Hopster is a preschool kids learning and entertainment app. For a monthly fee of 4 dollars 99 subscribers can access a diverse range of kids learning and entertainment shows. stimulating games, classic nursery rhymes, fun music and a variety of books. There's no ads and everything is hand curated so your kids won't come across anything unsuitable. In 2019, research by Hopstar not only found that representation of Black, Asian and minority ethnic people, disability, working class families and LGBT families is incredibly low on children's programmes, but it also highlighted objectification and negative stereotypes too. Chatting to Olivia and Lindsay about all of this gave me real food for thought and it's inspired me to look at the programmes that my kids are watching and the messages they're getting from those programmes. So hopefully it will do the same for you. Olivia and Lindsay, a massive warm welcome to the podcast. Thank you. Hello. Thank you. Do you guys want to kick off by introducing yourselves? Olivia, you go first.
2: Um, so I'm Olivia Dickinson. Um, I do quite a few different things. I've volunteered for the Toys Be Toys campaign. Um, I've worked for Lifting Limits, who challenge gender stereotypes in education, um, and I'm a media consultant for children's media um, around diversity um, and. Yeah, so there's lots of things that I also do within the sort of children's media industry around the Children's Media Conference and the Children's Media Foundation, and all of it ends up coming back to diversity and inclusivity.
0: Excellent. I love that you're involved with Let Toys Be Toys. That's just like, you know, um, a campaign that I have been on board with for, well, my my eldest is 10 now. Yes. And I remember her being quite young when I first came across the campaign and just...
2: Yeah, no, I was thinking about that. So my eldest, well, I've only got one child and he has just turned 10 this month too. And um, I joined the campaign a bit after it started. So it started in 2012 and I was probably officially part of it in 2014. So yeah, it's been a large part of his childhood. Yeah,
0: brilliant. I mean, but it, it does such great work. It's like so good at just challenging people and getting the nation involved as well yes. so getting them out in the supermarkets and the shops and yes. taking pictures and like exactly. shaming the retailers yes. it's so exactly. good <laughs> thank it's so you good. Um, Lindsay tell us about yourself
3: hi so I'm Lindsay um I'm a mum of two I'm a blogger and a writer and I suppose you could say a social media influencer although I'm not sure about that word um <laughs> <laughs> but yeah I've got two little girls um we are part of a two mum family we live in Brighton and yeah, I write lots of things on my blog about our family journey. Um I've had IVF and I try and promote um kind of diversity through the writing that I do.
0: I love I love all the content that you do, Lindsay. I feel like you you just do such a brilliant job at showing this lovely, rounded family life. But also you've got these really important message messages about, you know, being an LGBT family and inclusivity. And it's just it's just all done in such a lovely like your photographs are beautiful and it's just Aww, lovely. So I really, <laughs> well, I really love what you do. I'm really, really glad to have you on. Um, so let's start by talking about why representation in kids TV matters um Olivia so much of children's tv is fantasy and fun does it actually need to represent real life
2: um what i think the key thing is for really small children and i'm sure lindsay's been finding it this with her girls is they can't tell the difference so whatever they're watching they completely believe in it whether it's an animation or live action and whether they're watching you know something like apple tree house that shows real children in in a high rise or whether they're watching the Octonauts under the sea. So um, to children, it doesn't matter um, whether it's fantasy, but what does matter is that they can relate to it and understand that they can be represented. And that representation is so important. Um, From about the age of six, um, there are so many things that affect children's self-esteem and aspiration. And if they've grown up not seeing that in front of them, whether it's on books or on TV, um, then it has a really big effect.
0: It's that classic thing, isn't it? Like all of us, we all want to see ourselves reflected Mm. back. um, You know, whatever media we're consuming, Um, and yeah, I find it really interesting that that applies to kids as well. Like you know, we're we're talking about really young kids. I mean, you were saying from the age of six, their self-esteem can be affected. Yeah. Um, But this stuff, I'm guessing, will seep into their brains from even much
2: younger. Because if you think how much. I mean, I think the Hopster report into um, Prejudice in in TV talks about how much TV actually, you know, under twos are even watching. And TV, I'm obviously using to mean anything that is moving uh, on, a, on a device, really. It's but such now, a wide yeah. thing, isn't it? I mean, back <laughs> yeah. in,
0: you know, when we were kids, yeah. it was very much like you had a few channels on yeah. the TV and that was the TV. Yeah, that was but, it. But now you've got tablets and you've got phones and you've yeah. got and so many different platforms for watching different shows and programs yeah. and it's just it's just this huge yeah.
2: world and one one of the things i was amazed at i think with the hopster report is they decided to look a lot at youtube because actually the amount of content children are consuming from youtube i don't know something like 50% i i mean I don't cite that but i think you know from a very young age parents are going to youtube um, and finding even though they might be finding things like Peppa Pig or Octonauts but that's that's the platform they're using mm-hmm. um so in our household we've always referred to screen time and that's it's yeah. it's you get an amount of screen whatever you're doing on your screen um and whichever screen it is <laughs> um
0: yeah, yeah. so yeah that that's I think it's quite important and the thing with YouTube is as well is that obviously you've got YouTube kids But even that's kind of not as regulated as some parents would like it to be. It's kind of, am I right in thinking that is is it still, um, is it still, does it work on basis of videos having to be flagged if it's got any kind of.
2: I think so. It's definitely not under Ofcom. I don't, I don't know the most recent sort of how the moderation is going with YouTube themselves, but it doesn't have to sort of answer in the same way as the broadcast channels, mm. and I think that's quite significant.
0: And I remember, you know, so my, my, my like I mentioned, my eldest is ten. I remember her being aged three or four and going onto YouTube. Just YouTube kids didn't even exist then, so it was just regular YouTube. It was my account, and I would be searching for like nursery rhymes and. Um, it would then obviously go on to some random video that YouTube wanted to recommend next to us. Mm -hmm. And some of the kind of like really weird kind of like princess fantasy role play stuff that she was ending up watching I was a bit like oh I'm not really sure yeah. if this is okay or yeah. not like let's just skip back onto Peppa Pig and yeah. <laughs> and we'll ignore that kind of weird kind of like cosplay whatever that was yeah
2: know? well and even Peppa Pig I remember when my son was older he and his friends found Peppa Pig in North Korea so you know there's always something yeah, yeah. <laughs> you, you need to keep an eye on always. Um, yeah definitely but um, we've gone off the question but I think yeah thinking about TV over overall it is it's just what they're consuming and what they're seeing Mm. and like you said everyone wants to see themselves and feel that they can relate to it um and while the six-year-old thing is often about so I think it's from the age of six that Um, girls and boys start to divide in terms of viewing themselves as genius or not and that sort of thing Mm. but it's much much younger that they are thinking well who who can I be like what am I like and obviously that might include you know I want to be like the dragon or I want to be like the underwater creatures or whatever Um, but it is important that there's something to them that, that is that they
0: relate to yeah uh, Lindsay, as a parent, how do you feel about the current offering of kids TV? Are there things that you know that you're really happy for your little ones to watch and is there anything that you sear them away from maybe if, I don't know if your eldest comes back from nursery talking about something that her friends might have mentioned and you're a bit like, oh no let's not watch that How, how are you feeling about it all?
3: Yeah so obviously my kids love watching TV. I'm not sure that there's a parent out there who doesn't say that. Um, And we try to have a balanced kind of mix in the house. So I try and mix activities away from the TV with having some screen time. So I've always tried to have like a really happy medium in the house. I never kind of shame a parent for putting their kid in front of the TV. I think it's totally part of their day. But I do think that watching what they're watching is a really important thing. And so I make sure they're watching a vast range of programmes with lots of different topics. So, my youngest, he, she's really into Hey Dougie, um, which I think is really sweet and it's really good characters. I'm, are a, lovable. Big, I'm, a, I'm a
0: big Dougie fan. <laughs> yeah, exactly.
3: Um, I've had to watch What Violet Watches a bit more. She's nearly four, so I feel like her opinions are getting stronger and she is taking everything in, exactly as Olivia said. She mm-hmm. wants to be the character she's seeing and that is definitely true for my little ones. So, she's really into superheroes at the moment, which is definitely something we can get on board with. She loves um, things like PJ Masks and on Netflix they've got a couple of ones that are called Starbeam and Miraculous which have got uh, females as the main characters. So we really okay, like those.
2: Good.
3: Yeah. yeah. Um, things that we steer away from, funny enough, YouTube. We do watch YouTube but I watch them like a hawk when they're watching it because mm. uh, they do autoplay even on the kids YouTube. Mm. Um, you never know what's going to pop up. We have watched quite a few videos, so I think it's probably similar to what Alison has said, where um, the, there's a little girl who's like a princess and she plays with her dad and she gets lots of toys. And my children absolutely love these videos, but I've kind of tried to steer them away because I'm just not sure that represents real life. Yeah. And, you know, I don't know what behaviour that's going to... You know they're starting to copy some of the things that she does and things like that, so that is something we really limit.
0: It's funny, isn't it? Because even though that's not a, rep- a representation issue, that's just a kind of being a decent person issue. Like, there's my um, daughter was my eldest was watching. Um, I don't, I can't remember who, who it was, but it was some, some very popular YouTuber, British, a, a boy who's maybe about I don't know, fourteen,
1: mm-hmm. and
0: he was doing all these challenges like let's let's go to McDonald's and buy everything on the menu. <laughs> and you know or going to a shop and like spending a thousand pounds on toys with his mum, and it's like this is gross this is just like what is this teaching my child about you know spending money and it was just
3: exactly and this little girl that we watch she just gets new toys all the time her bedroom is covered in toys they unwrap things they unbox things she wears makeup and things like that And um, when Violet went to a shop and she said, can I have some makeup? She's only three. I just thought, where has she got that from? And I just thought, (laughs) OK, I really need to, you know, watch what she's watching. And, you know, it's all going into their brains, definitely. Yeah,
0: definitely. Yes. Um, I mean, I guess it feels a bit like a no-brainer that we all want to see ourselves, you know, reflected back. Um, And Olivia, you mentioned earlier that Hopster have done a report into representation. Mm Um What were the main findings of that report? you you touched on a couple, but what were yeah. the, the main things that they found
2: so they did it about a year ago um and the main findings was basically under representation of an awful lot of different types of people, so there's very little disability in children 's media um working class families are very underrepresented. I want to talk a bit more about that one um Gender stereotypes, as we 've already touched on are uh, numerous really um, both for boys and girls and i always think that from let toys be toys perspective that's something we've always looked at that it's as important for the boys um to uh sort of have counter stereotype things as well as the girls Definitely um yeah. very few i think actually no same-sex parent families so lindsay you might find that interesting some of our um campaigners are in same-sex families as well and they've always been frustrated by that um, and then ethnic minorities. I think this has changed very marginally. So the report was done uh, last year, and Apple Tree House was included. But since then, um, we've had JoJo and Grand Grand yeah. launch on CBeebies, which I know everyone is loving. So good, um, which is great. And there's other, there are other examples, not just from CBeebies. but again, it's often that it's not representative of the children nowadays. So. There's also an annual survey that the Guardian do of the 100 top picture books every year, so top as in best selling, so you might be going quite back to quite old picture books. And what I always find striking about that, because I think they found something like only 3% of the children represented in those, or even characters, because a lot of them are animals, are um, from an ethnic minority. Mm. What they often allude to is it's thinking about the current makeup of, you know, we've got something like over 30% of all under 16s are from an ethnic minority now and yet they are not seeing that at all on screen or in books or on on films so I think that's that's quite important um and then um there were there are obviously other stereotypes that you encounter so there's the bumbly dad there's the incapable single mum there's the lazy overweight people you know there's all these things that some of those programmes might have been made quite a while ago, but there's still no excuse that, you know, those are the ones that are sort of still featuring in the, the top ranking. Um, and then there's quite a bit about um, what I found quite interesting. CBBS does very well, and I know that that's often commented on. And obviously they, you know, they really fulfil their sort of public service remit. But it was interesting that they looked at streaming and subscription services and YouTube, and discovered that generally some of the worst offenders were on those streaming services or on YouTube so i think that's quite interesting because again it comes into you know what's the due diligence what's the regulation
0: i wonder how much of that is about i mean i do i'm not i'm not any kind of expert on this but i do remember hearing that netflix had created stranger things based on what people were searching for mm-hmm. and which was which is fascinating in itself because they're basically you know, creating a whole, um, you know, massive big budget series based on what their viewers want. And I wonder whether they're almost relying on that too much rather than thinking, OK, what's the right thing to do here? Yes. And how do we represent, you know, all kinds of families with our children's programming? They're just looking at the data and thinking, what what are people typing into the search box?
2: Yes. And I don't I mean, I don't know what they you know commissioning processes are particularly at places like netflix but that's interesting in that are they following rather than leading Mm. um yeah that's an interesting way to look at it i think also it's bearing in mind i can get into whole you know gender and race bias of algorithms and searches as well you know what's that well do do go
0: into that i find that really interesting and i think that's something that people are still learning about and and don't necessarily know about so do 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 tell us about that i mean
2: there's a lot about um artificial intelligence um is, has already almost got ingrained into it both sexism and racism because it's ultimately being written by people who have those unconscious biases themselves. But then the more you look at it, you realise that there's really some quite sexist or racist things. So, for example, in um, our household, we do have an Alexa, but I insist on calling Alexa it. We call all sat-navs it, that sort of thing. And there, is, there has been this tendency to start thinking about um, all of those sort of voice-activated or AI things as female and whether they're in a sort of servile um, position. That's so taking, interesting. Yeah, it is. I think there's a lot that needs to... I mean, there's a, a lot being researched, but more needs to be done. And then I think the other thing, in terms of the searching, one thing we always found at Let Toys Be Toys is often, yes, the defence would be, but people type in toys for boys or toys for girls, and if you look on Amazon or Google or shopping or eBay, that's what comes up. But again, it's that whole chicken and egg. But yeah is that because that's how they know they can find something or is
0: that actually what
2: they're looking for?
0: And it's the same as the shops, isn't it? I remember seeing the shops saying, well, the reason that we have one half that's blue and one half that's pink is because that's what customers have told us, that that's how they shop. So we're just helping them.
2: Yeah, and it's... Yeah, again, that needs lots of unpicking, I think, because... um, you know Amazon particularly do have still have labels of girls and boys but their their defense is well that's what people type in but again is that because sellers particularly on Amazon have been told to tag it like that you know so oh, it's yeah it's, it's an interesting one
0: mm, yeah Lindsay how much of this is kind of like concerning you as a parent like when you when you kind of hear about the the reports the report that Hopster has done and the findings um is it something that that kind of resonates with you is it something that feels familiar to you as a parent
3: yeah um definitely i mean i've talked about how i try and find different things for my children to watch and when i read the report i have to say i, I wasn't surprised at the findings at all yeah. um because i find that the children the tv that the children watch now is kind of the same that i watched kind of 25 30 years ago as a, as a child we don't seem to have moved with the times at all and things are still very just uh conventional i suppose um, I find that when we're watching T V one of the things that really um annoys me is quite often there may be female characters or the you know, there might be different characters, but there's always things like four male characters and one female or um, things like that, which that seems to be the kind of pattern for lots and lots of kids' T V programmes. So don't steer away from that. And also one thing that I really noticed is that mums are shown often as cooking and cleaning yes. and yeah, my my oldest the other day actually said, "Mummy, get back in the kitchen,"
0: <laughs> and I thought, "Okay." Oh. So I just thought straight from the seventies. Yeah.
3: <laughs> Something that that hasn't been shown much on the TV is actually a working mum, yeah. maybe a work from home mum now, um, yeah. that's becoming so much more common. 'Cause like my children might be wondering why I'm on my computer so much. And I've tried to explain about working and what I'm doing and things like that, but they just don't see that. They see all the mums cooking and cleaning on the telly and probably think, What you what are you doing?
2: I don't I don't know how much they have watched or um now watch Pepper Pig, but the mummy pig working from home used to drive me up the wall because <laughs> she was always sitting there at the computer because she worked from home. I can't remember what her job was supposed to be. Uh, but she'd always end up with George or Pepper on her lap. And yeah. I said, well, no, yeah. actually, to actually work, you need the child to be in childcare or you need the
0: child That's to be true. doing something All else. Or she's
3: playing so. happy... Happy chicken. Happy Mrs. Chicken. On. Yes.
0: <laughs> and also, and also I've noticed that whenever a mummy pig is working, she's always writing a letter, which makes me yes. feel like she's a secretary, which is <laughs> nothing wrong yes. with being a secretary, but surely they can aspire to have her being, yes. you know, like something, you know, a little bit less stereotypical. Yeah, Yeah. exactly. No, all exactly.
2: Of the other thing, Lindsay, you were saying about the the mix of girls and boys, and that comes up so much, and it was something that she came up a lot with Let Toys Be Toys that we ended up with a hashtag of missing girls because not only were the girls missing in the sense that you know there were only two out of however many octonauts but then once they go to market so they're going into the pajamas and the toys and whatever suddenly they've gone completely so you know your your paw patrol pajamas don't have sky and everest on um, oh we can never buy yeah. the
3: female characters exactly um, yeah we've got Patrol pa- uh, pajamas, and we couldn't buy the sky ones. That is true, no.
2: yeah. Or you've got the um, only sky, and they're in pink for the girls, or whatever. Um, so yeah, that that I always have a story, and I'm I, it's sad it's still happening. When my son was potty training, he wanted Pepper Pig pants, but I could only find George pants for boys. And again, it was like, well, should it be for boys, or could he just have Pepper Pig pants that you know, even though they say they're for girls? Um, and then more recently, I saw someone on social media had ended up actually sewing superhero things onto some pants for her daughter that was to potty training. I just thought this is ridiculous that we got to this point. Yeah, yeah,
3: definitely. (laughs) There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with Plush Care. Plush Care accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wegovy and ZepBound for those who qualify.
1: Code buttery exclusions apply see site for details
0: and Lindsay um Olivia touched on the fact that the report um, found that there was massive underrepresentation of LGBT uh, families and uh, parents you know I think I think it found something like seven percent of the episodes you know in the in the study had an LGBT character, but it was very, very fleeting. Um, how does that make you feel? And what effect do you think that lack of representation has on your kids when they're being raised by two mums?
3: Yeah, definitely. I mean, I have hardly seen any representation of LGBT characters in kids' TV and I have searched everywhere because obviously it's something I want my children to see and to be um, part of what they're watching. So I've really gone out the way to try and find things. And what often happens is that programmes will say oh, well, we're going to include an LGBT character, but it's so vague and maybe just in the background or, you know, maybe even an adult, I think. You know, are they a couple or are they just You know, it's not even clear to me. So I definitely know that my two-year-old is not reading into that because if I'm not sure, they're not going to think that that's a big part of the story. So, yeah, it it, it makes me feel really sad, to be honest, um, because, you know, I want our family to be part of, what people are seeing on the telly and part of life as as it is in in real life we're part of society and and things like that and it's not just for my girls but you know for their friends and things Certainly. like that so that you know children can learn all about each other and different families and it's not just lgbt families um is in two mums or two dads we're thinking about lots of different setups like maybe adoptions or trans families mm-hmm. or um, even single parents or if people are raised by grandmas or anything like that yeah, it's just exactly. not yeah it's just not out there there's just nothing other than mummy and daddy yeah,
0: yeah. Um, and olivia you mentioned that um There was a real lack of working class families mm. being shown um you know that i guess you've, you've got you know one extreme where you've got the kind of like the princesses and living in castles and that kind of thing but when you're looking at shows that are based on a bit more reality um it's a very kind of like middle-class Topsy and Tim kind of world isn't it?
2: It is and then and that's reflected either in um, accent. so if they do then feature working-class families they might then have quite a stereotyped accent or where they're living and then there isn't enough diversity um, you know the types of houses or the types of apartments that they live in aren't aren't very representative Um, and I think I think it is a really interesting one because you know 50% Um, other population class themselves as working class and yet they're all watching the same stuff for kids and and you think well what are you what are you trying to to show um and then i also think because although so in the hopster report they've sort of said all the aspirational castles and princess sort of storylines um are representing middle or upper class and i think there is a thing in that you know it's probably also showing a unrepresentative amount of upper class and Mm -hmm. sort of royal types but also it's saying, well, what, is that the aspiration to become, yeah, something like a princess rather than, you know, an actual job and a degree and all the rest of it. So, yeah, there's a, there's a lot going on there that I think hasn't been thought about. And often I think there's, you know, people really worry about ethnic diversity or LGBT or um, gender. And then obviously there is running through all of that, the class and, and socioeconomic representation, and that can often get pushed to one side.
0: Yeah I wonder do you think it's a hangover from I mean obviously a lot of this is a hangover from like the 70s and 80s when this stuff just wasn't thought about when it comes to kids TV. Um, Do you think it's any kind of hangover from the days when you know people who were on TV had this kind of cut glass accent and regional accents you know just weren't weren't heard weren't seen? Uh,
2: I, I don't I don't think so because there's a lot of animation for preschool and so you can be really creative and you know do all sorts of accents and characters and representation. So I'm I'm not sure if it is that but I think it it could be to do with that 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 it's almost an afterthought. I think it's more that 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 you sort of set up so many different things in terms of your scenarios or your characters or your um storylines and then and then it it just isn't embedded as it should be
0: Hmm. and is there still a problem with tv and the media in general being created mostly by privileged middle-class able-bodied white men who can't necessarily look beyond their own experiences or is that something that is improving
2: um it's definitely improving but it's a really big thing to think about the representation behind the scenes so I produced a series of um, uh, videos for the children's media conference this year and at least half of them we were trying to talk about trying to give really practical tips to tv and media uh, creators for children's tv about how to diversify their content and one of the key things is think about who your script writers are who your uh, team is really and who is actually coming up with the ideas and making the stuff um, so although, yes, there is often this perception that all the commissioners are um, often white, in children's TV, actually, there are quite a lot of women. I'll, I'll give it that. But you're right. It's more white and middle class. Um, but it's about having the people being able to come with those ideas from different backgrounds. Um, the only other thing I think about a lot for TV is quite how long it takes to produce a tv program and i think people don't always realize this obviously there might be some youtube videos that are done quite quickly um but for example uh you know an animation that's probably only going to go live this say this season might have been in progress for five if not ten years and so i think it's think i know it's thinking about at what point was it commissioned at what point was it originally an idea by a production company at what point did they get funding at what point did they start shaping the characters and responding to what might be topical? Um, and then how have they grown up? So, for example, if I'd had a TV idea when my son was two and I was still going with it, am I still thinking about him at two or about him now? You know, mm-hmm. so it is it is really interesting. Yeah.
0: And, you know, in the last 10, 15 years, the world has changed hugely. Yeah. And the media, you know, I'm watching a, a TV series on Netflix. It's not... It's not um it's not a kids show it's modern family um and we're watching episodes that were that were made eight nine years ago yeah. and some of the jokes you just think oh like yeah. that's kind of shocking yeah. and yeah. and you wouldn't get that now no. on a tv show that's being produced now so it's, no. it just shows how far we've come and how there are certain things that we found acceptable and funny you know 10 years ago that now we just think oh no that's not that's not yeah. okay
2: I mean, interestingly, in Hopster, I think they included Mr Bean and Tom and Jerry, because they're still so popular. Um, and if you think how long ago some of those were made, um, mm-hmm. you know, so they do have that universal appeal, something like Tom and Jerry. Um, but then there are characters in Tom and Jerry. There's the um, the black housekeeper yes. that is obviously conforming to, to stereotypes. Yes. And you think, oh, so. Yeah, yeah,
0: yeah definitely. Um, so. Lindsay what are you doing so you know you're you're not entirely happy with the the tv offerings that are available for your kids what are you doing to try and balance that off with other media and toys and everything else that they're consuming
3: so yeah that's how we kind of balance it off I have got quite a few books I mean looking at other media actually there's quite a lot of diversity I think so there's lots of books um that we read so Um, I'll name a couple of my favorites so we've got one that's called Me, Mummy and Mum which I really love because that's our names and it was so nice to see a book that had like our names in it Mm. Um, and it's just a very very everyday story it's it's not a fantasy story at all it's just a little boy and his two mums and their normal day and it was just like our lives sometimes when I read it I actually put one of my little girls names into the story (laughs) and kind of make it about them and yeah we really love that one. Um, another one I really, really love is called Julian is a Mermaid. That's, well, that's about, a lovely um, one, isn't it? Yeah, it's mm. so nice and the illustrations are beautiful. Mm. Um, it's about a little boy who wants to be a mermaid. Um and then we are also collecting the Little People Big Dreams books. So they're all about kind of famous people through history. So we've got all sorts of different ones. We've got people from Emmeline Pankhurst to Rosa Parks and people like that. So it's just kind of teaching the girls about real-life people that existed and diverse stories and things like that I have found with toys it's harder to um, avoid the serious stereotypes um, especially because my girls actually gravitate really strongly to female stereotypical toys like dolls and things like that but mm. what I've done to kind of combat that is, um, is we've got dolls of different ethnicities so they have um, a different range of dolls and things like that and they do have a broad range of toys but they they their personalities they've gravitated towards the more stereotypical girly toys and that's just who they are. It's so. funny, isn't
0: it? Because I I kind of try to push my eldest towards you know I guess stereotypical boy toys just to try and balance things off. But she was just frozen mad and all she wanted to do was twirl around in her Elsa dress mm-hmm. and sing exactly. Let It Go. <laughs> and I thought, well, do you know what? Let's just go with it. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. we
3: we have been exactly exactly down that. Uh,
2: yeah I think there's two two things I'm very impressed Lindsay you've managed to find dolls of different ethnicities because that's one of the complaints we often hear is that it's hard to find that and it's also Mm. hard to find dolls and dolls prams and dolls you know accessories that aren't pink or purple um so that toys be toys run a toy mark scheme where they give toy shops or other shops that sell toys um sort of stamp of approval to say well actually yes the the stuff they're stocking is not gender stereotyped which is great um but the um it's interesting because I have a boy who's the same age as your daughter Alison and it's fascinating because I made sure you know he had dolls and dolls buggies and all sorts of a range of toys but I find it really interesting how many parents have that sort of They've been internalised to think that anything girly is less, and mm. it's really interesting. It's something we really need to sort of unpick in terms of that Then the children are learning, or oh, that maybe girly is less less good. And obviously there are things you need to unpick in terms of saying, well, we don't want to teach teach girls, particularly that they're only being valued for their appearance or becoming objectified. But at the same time, there's absolutely nothing wrong with playing with dolls and actually if more boys played with dolls it's all about nurturing and role play and it helps with their language development so yeah it's 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 an interesting one
1: yeah
0: it's very interesting isn't it um and olivia what would you suggest if someone's listening and they feel that they want to take control of the messages that are being sent to their kids via the programs they watch what Mm -hmm. what would you what would you recommend to them
2: um, I think it can depend on the age of the child, because one thing I was going to ask Lindsay is how much she chats to her older one while while she's watching. Um, so now my son's older, he just rolls his eyes at me, obviously. Um, <laughs> but when he was younger, I would um, start to talk about... Yeah, I mean, he watched Peppa Pig probably when he was much younger, but I'd talk about why are there are fewer girls and why are the girls represented like this. Um, and obviously not in a really formal way, but you can just sort of just look, gradually... I think have have that conversation because I think it's not about forbidding things it's about being you know knowing that they'll be exposed to things and then having that conversation um, and obviously, you can steer them when they're younger towards things that you might prefer um, but even then it's sort of saying why you prefer it and what it is you're not sure about with say the princess dressing up and thinking about you know different role models. I think that's where often books can come in more helpfully in terms of you might have experienced something on screen and then a book can be a bit bit more of a chance to talk it through um and actually Julian is a mermaid at Hopster actually have as an e-book that you can sort of listen to so I think you know there's different ways that you can experience having those sort of critical thinking conversations even with three-year-olds I swear you can do it yeah I think
3: <laughs> I think that's something that's just coming in for us I mean Violet's three and a half she's just gone into preschool and I think those sort of conversations are things that are just coming about, especially with mm-hmm. books, because I think you've got a bit more time to kind of talk yeah. things over. You know what kids are like when they're watching TV? They can be kind of a bit, um, you know, zoned out to watching. Exactly, and sometimes
2: TV is that opportunity to so say, yes, you're tired, you can have some downtime, that's fine. Exactly, so, yeah. exactly. But books, yeah. and
3: then maybe talking also after the TV is finished yeah. about what they've yeah. seen and things.
2: Yeah, and also how they relate to it because I think I mean I remember I I always had to be cast as Sky if we were enacting Portal because I was the only girl and it's that sort of then questioning that going well, why can't I be one of the others you know so there's there's different ways of doing it.
0: It's probably worth mentioning as well that um, Hopster, who commissioned the report, they've made a real commitment to inclusive programming, haven't they? So it's yes. probably worth parents checking checking out Hopster.
2: Yes, and they've got lots of content in October for Black History Month actually. So they've they've acquired various things because um, it's Black History Month here in, in Britain throughout October, um, and they were really bothered about, yeah, representing black Black British history. So,
3: yeah. Hopster have made a real effort to be inclusive for LGBT families as well, which is one of the first times that I've seen an actual dedicated programme. So we watched a little series called Rainbow Stories, which are three little tales of LGBT families, and they cover things like there's one with two dads, there's one with a transgender character, and there's one with two girls, which, funny enough, one of the main characters is called Lindsay, which is really
2: strange.
0: Um,
3: <laughs> oh, I know, I watched it. And... <laughs> personalisation
0: thing down, Lindsay. <laughs> yeah,
3: I was like, hang on a second. Um, so, yeah, then I watched those with Violet, my eldest, and actually it, it was really strange. I felt really emotional that I hadn't actually seen anything like that before. I'd not, not seen a programme that was actually dedicated to an LGBT family before... It's always just a mention, but this is this is just about it. There's nothing about, you know, there's nothing about anything else. It is about those families. And when we were watching it, I remember just like, taking a massive sip of my coffee and Violet's like, are you okay? And I'm like, yes, like trying to hide my watery eyes in my <laughs> coffee cup because I felt so emotional. I was like, I can't believe it. So they're amazing. Um, there's only three stories. I have asked them if they'll make some more. They're hoping to. So... Yeah, we really love that. They also had a Pride theme month in June, which sadly I missed. I wish I'd heard about it, but um, we'll be we'll be there for that next year. But they yeah, they have a Pride theme month in June as well as the Black History Month. That's yeah, and there. I think
2: they're also going to try and do stuff for International Women's Day, and you know they always try to mark the things where you know it's about really sort of representation. Um, the the one thing I think we haven't touched on is disability representation, yes. and I it has been it's amazing how little there is um and there's a brilliant campaign called toy like me um which i don't know if you've heard about where they've attached things like cochlear implants to barbie dolls and that oh, sort of thing no, have, have a look um and they've done a partnership with lottie dolls and things like that but they just have some amazing research from um dr sean jones about how non-disabled children just given the chance to play with a disabled toy so that might be a toy that's been adapted to show a disability after just three minutes they're much more empathetic and keen to have a disabled child as a friend and you just think why are we not representing this in in you know in media really
0: and also quite often um the baddies in in Mm. you know children's um programs have some kind of disability whether it's a stammer or yes some some kind of like um physical um disability um and even that just you know subconsciously seeping into our kids brains
2: exactly and then that's what they're yeah so it first of all is then setting able-bodied children up to imagine that disability is something frightening and then it's not good for the self-esteem of, of disabled children it, yeah and um, the other thing i was thinking about because um Alison, you've got an an older child as well, is that actually once... Just thinking about representation as the children get older, is there are some better examples, I think, of representing sort of coming-out stories or or gay and lesbian, although I'd be interested, Lindsay, from your own experience of how you, you know, found that as a teenager. But one thing um, that one of my contributors to CMC said was that it's still often the male default, and I found that really interesting, that often the coming-out storyline is about a boy mm. and it's forgotten that you know maybe girls might need to do the same yeah. um yeah so again there's that whole sort of how can we shift it so that it's not just about the default male Oh yes, they're gay, and then yeah. So again, it's an interesting one to start looking at as the, as they grow up. I think.
0: Yeah, yeah. Because my my daughter, my eldest, is um she's well into that kind of like CBBC mm-hmm. watching. Kind of she's watching things like the next step on CBBC, yeah. which is all yeah. about relationships and. Yeah. You know, when she first started watching it, I was like, "Oh, I'm not really sure if this is appropriate," but now I'm like, "Oh, actually, this is this is what interests her," and it's helping her kind of get her head around those sort of you know that kind of emotional kind of upheavals that 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 people have so and friendship issues and all those sort of things but i'm i haven't actually paid attention to how much of the, how many of the programs she's watching have uh, what the representation is like in in those but it's something i'm going to i'm going to kind of keep an eye on i think
2: yeah or even just ask her cuz sometimes they they are much more accepting and haven't noticed you know mm. that there might be some same sex couples or whatever
0: yeah Yeah Um, listen thank you so much to both of you for joining me today it's been such food for thought and I think that you've given everybody you know stuff to go away and think about and kind of look into which is so helpful um before we say goodbye can you both tell me where we can find you online Olivia do you want to go first?
2: Follow Let Toys Be Toys on Twitter and Instagram it's just Let Toys Be Toys um, I'm also on Twitter as Olive D, and I have only recently joined Instagram so apologies um, mm-hmm. where I'm inclusive Olive. Um, we, it's very interesting actually from a social media perspective for the campaign that the Let Toys Be Toys really benefited from Twitter um, and now we're trying to do a bit more on Instagram and it's interesting to yeah think about different platforms, different audiences, that sort of thing. Mm-hmm.
3: So probably Instagram is the best place. Um, I'm Peaches on there. Um, I'm always on there making daily stories and stuff like that. But I do have a blog as well, which is fizzypeaches.com.
0: And yeah, just
3: type in fizzypeaches and you'll find me, basically.
0: Excellent. <laughs> Thank you so much, Hume. It's been so great to chat to Thank you. you. Thank you. Thank you for you having us. Much. big thank you to my guests on this episode olivia dickinson and Lindsay gardner thanks also to the sponsor hopster you can get a free seven-day trial of hopster just download the app from the apple app store or google play and after your trial the subscription is 4.99 a month that gives you access to a diverse range of kids learning and entertainment shows stimulating games classic nursery rhymes fun music and a variety of books thank you so much for listening